0: Um, I'm, I'm very pleased to welcome Collins Machile, uh who is, and I must get his title right because I got it wrong earlier, uh, Deputy Director of Broadcast Policy uh, in the Department of, of Communications and has been around the block very often. He's been in these discussions and I was being told over lunch what an extraordinary kind of institutional memory you have about some of these issues. So Collins will speak there on, on, on behalf of gov- government. Garth uh, Danril is the, now the chair of the Northern Cape NCRF, um, and will obviously give us a perspective from community radio itself. And Tabang Pusheyabone Pushe- uh, is the station manager from, of Riverside in Uppington. I don't know why we have such a domination of the, of the Northern Cape here today. I feel like we are being colonized by the Northern Cape. Um, but it is actually, it's, it's actually great to have people specifically from the Northern Cape because you know, it reminds us that this is a, uh, you know, these are stations that exist all over the country. So we're going to treat it as a fairly informal discussion. Um, I was going to ask Collins to open with some kind of sense of where the government wants to go with it. I know that there is a summit coming up, there's been invitations for comments again. Um, where do you think the issues are and where do you think from a governmental point of view, um, where sh- should we be going? Um, with this important sector and then I'll ask for responses from from the other two.
1: Uh, (coughs) Good afternoon colleagues. Uh, Apologies from the Deputy Minister Shesin Mpumalanga addressing the government communicators in Limpopo for Limpopo and the Minister is uh, addressing the matters related to cabinet from yesterday and our Director General is in the uh, there's a meeting of directors general. Uh, uh, I think the president addressed them yesterday. So apologies for, from, from my colleagues. Uh, from government side, uh, if you can allow me two minutes to do a PR exercise. Uh, we have published two documents. We have gazetted a one-pager on the review of public broadcasting, which is open for, for comments. And we have also attached to that a, a issues paper of, of common issues that have been raised throughout our discussions when we're reviewing our policies. It's also on our on, uh, on our website which is www.gov.za. We'll appreciate your comments and I think uh, our colleagues are more persuaded by those that will be coming from students as well. Uh, those are that are in media studies. So I thought I should uh, tell you about those. And I think somewhere in towards the end of August, we intend to host a sort of a two day summit on uh, 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 public broadcasting to discuss the issues that all of us are, are interested in. As the professor said, on the, 30th, on the 30th and the 31st of July, here in Gauteng, we will be hosting a community media summit. The community media summit does not only deal with radio, it also deals with small commercial print uh, media as well. So if you are interested to attend, you are all welcomed. And most of you will be aware that ICASA has published it is a... It's sort of a discussion document on the uh, d- digital digital sound broadcasting. So from government side, what will happen is that we will have to wait for the ICASA to finalize this process, and with the report that they are going to give us, that's when we will be able to come with a policy directive in terms of what has to happen, so that the, para- uh, the processes are feeding into each other. But from the uh, community side, What we had also done as government was that the community sector was complaining that they keep on training people and they do not get certification. And there was a community media chair that was uh, supported by the United Nations, only hosted by India. So South Africa managed to get a second one, which is going to be hosted by the University of uh, Limpopo, uh, which is going to provide training and provide certification to those that will be uh, attending the training so that they use the certificate to get jobs elsewhere because I think that was the complaint. But the intention of that was that we had recognized that throughout the years, there had been problems with governance as uh, has been said, that there has been problems with the financial sustenance of the stations. So through that training, that will involve Partnership with other community broadcasters from across the globe and from across the continent, uh, we believe that from sharing of experiences, probably there might be uh, the improvement in terms of the issues that are challenging the stations. But with regards to the 30th and the 31st summit, the Minister and the Deputy Minister are of the view that uh, we have been talking for a long time. And as Professor was cautioning that, if you keep on talking and talking and talking and there's nothing moving, I think the belief is that this one, this is where by the time we finish this one, the community sector should be in a position that it is going to come up with proposals and solutions in terms of how to collectively address the challenges that they have been facing. Currently they are faced with the challenge of signal distribution fees Uh, which we had a discussion with them, and uh, there is a positive move towards that to settle some of those. But the issue is that the minister had indicated that this will be for the last time. Because as most of you are seeing, government in terms of funding and money, as my colleague from uh, Zimbabwe was saying earlier, we need to come up with new funding models for the community sector. And our concern is that everyone... The currency now is the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, Fourth industrial revolution simply means where everything is connected. The third one was about the rise of the ICT and the internet. Now it's about the rise of uh, artificial intelligence, super connected of computers and all the gadgets. Our issue is that even if as we move towards digital migration and digital audio broadcasting or DRM, we need to find a way that we do not leave the community sector behind. And our view is that uh, we should provide the sector with incentives to migrate towards digital. It should be that we, we do not punish them to go to digital, but we provide them with incentives to see the value in moving towards digital. And as we start to adopt DAB and DRM, Uh, Last Friday, the minister had an engagement with uh, persons with disability. And most of you will know, which is something that is very key to the National Development Plan, uh, Outcomes 14, related to social cohesion and nation building, that radio remains the long-term and a true friend of people that are blind. In most communities. Our, Our issue is that as we move, into the next administration. Remember, now we are finalizing everything in preparation for the next administration. We will want the stations to play a very key role in terms of promoting democracy, tolerance of the children and the people that are coming from the neighboring countries because all of the xenophobic violence happens in local communities. And there's also something that I think we are going to ask the stations to consider. The municipalities are depressed in terms of financing. As it was said, advertising is moving online, not only community broadcasters are suffering, commercial and and public broadcasters are suffering, but we have a problem where in one district municipality or let's say, even locality, you find three stations, and when you look at their content, uh, they are doing the same thing. Our approach is going to be uh, unlike in Zimbabwe, where he said uh, they assume that every district municipality there must be a chief and everything goes to the chief. No. Uh, our issue is that per every district municipality there must be one community media serving there. Because the advertising revenue is is depleted as well, it is is of no use to have three community stations that are of general interest, most of the time not even producing music from the local communities playing American music and other uh, commercial music and all of them wanting to share the same resources from MDTA. And MDTA, just like all other entities, does not have deep pockets. So moving forward, it has to be rationalization because as it is now, the funds that are there are unable to sustain the whole of the sector. But I think as we move forward, through collaboration of MDTA together with NCRF and members of the NAB, we need to strengthen and come up with penalties to say, uh, uh, remember, for example, if you join certain organizations, there are certain minimum bail requirements that you have to meet. So in in understanding the sector, if three stations are going to compete for 500,000, I think, isn't it fair that we first consider those that are in communities that have nothing rather than those that are in communities that can sustain them. But what we've also realized is that uh, when we had engagement with KwaZulu-Natal, they raised a very important point that some of them might be in commercial areas. For example, they might be in Devon or Peter Marisbeck, but the problem is that the advertisers are saying they do not want to advertise with them. They're still skewed or they're still prejudiced against them. So they are saying that they are suffering The same way like those in the rural areas but for democracy purposes and increasing diversity you'll need there because you can reach without problems or whatever but there are places where there is no voice so i think we'll prioritize those but for community radio station i think it's very important that they now start engaging with outcomes 14 to say if ever they were to seek for support what will be their real contribution to Nation building and social cohesion. I think that's where government will be starting from. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Um, from your perspective, what are you looking for from government?
2: Hello. Hello. Oh, sorry. Hello. Yes. Um, well, government's received its sizeable chunk of time. Let's see. We we used to getting the scraps, so that's fine. Um, where do I start? Where do I start? Well, I start first of all by saying that my partner over here is not only the station manager of, of Radio Riverside, he's actually the secretary General of the National Office of NCRF. So if I can just place that correctly, it outrages me. I'm sorry, going before you. Um, but typically, government has, has tried to appropriate all the blame towards community radio sector. And that's typical. They get more airtime. They get to lambaste us and tell us that it's our problem and that we've created this problem that we find ourselves in. It's their typical response always. Centec. Let's talk about the Centec issue. Let's really talk about that. 114 stations, 113 stations, owed collectively 33 million rand to Centec. Collectively. Sentech quite rightly started putting off the stations that owed the most. I even applauded it. The stations that owe the most must be put off first. Can you imagine my surprise in the morning when I turned the TV on and the SABC, who owes 200 million to Centech, was still on air? (laughs) 113 stations owed 33. But Yawa's morning live with 200 million that they owed. Government doesn't tell you about that. It's an inconvenient truth. It's an inconvenient truth to tell you that government gave licenses away at one stage. It looked like they were in conjunction with pro-neutral. Eat your pro-neutral, find a radio license in the bottom of the box. We have 277 licenses laying out there because government didn't feel it necessary to consult with us. I come from Kimberley. Kimberley has a population of 200,000 people. Five community radio stations. Five. Eating from that small pie. And who created that problem? Government. They gave the licenses out willy-nilly to anybody who just knocked on their door and asked for one. They didn't see if it was feasible or not. They didn't care. They didn't care. But now they want to lay the blame at our door. Mismanagement. Mall administration. Mold. We're mad people. But open your newspaper every single day and see some government department that has corruption problems, some government department that has maladministration, some government department that has been mismanaged. And these are people that have CFOs, CEOs, COOs, lawyers, all kinds of things. The average station is run by a 22-year-old young lady or gentleman who has matricated but we expect him to earn 3,000 rand a month and act like a CEO. That's what government wants. It's slave labor. It's slave labor, that's what it is. We're not willing to support this creation because government created this to give power to the people and we're grateful for that. They're not willing to support it. It's our fault. They're not willing to educate. They're willing to do nothing except point fingers at us, that's all. And that's the truth of the matter. Is that the problems that we sit in now have been created by government and they just want to wash their hands of it. And essentially you're saying it's too, there are just too many licenses out there. Absolutely. Okay. I'm sorry before I'm sorry sure. before we head over to Pushu. Now there's a new law, uh, 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 what is it called, this thing with ICASA? Regulation policy drafting that's been made up there. And, it's been, and if you read it, it's specifically been made so that ICASA can withdraw licenses easier. Because this is the knee-jerk reaction of government. Oh, shit, we've given too many licenses, we'd better close some of them down. And that's what's happening.
3: Okay, push sure. on. Well, I I think to to respond to the question um, of of this debate, one, let me start by commending the Radio Days Africa for making community radio to shine. I I listened to case studies from Eastern Cape, Lloyd was presenting yesterday. I listened to Josie FM today. There is a good story to tell about community radio. There's a lot of good things, and whenever you hear success of community radio, it comes with criticism. When Lloyd was presenting yesterday, he says that there were complaints about him being commercial, Um, uh, that this is no longer a community radio, it's commercial. Every success of community radio is defined as you wanting to be a commercial radio station Josie FM has been fighting has been going through that same criticism for a very long time but the presentation today told us that actually Josie FM is rooted in the community that it serves and it sh- it's shown from the numbers of people that are attending their events the kind of work they do in community development and so on so Whatever you do in a community radio sometimes, you find criticism. One, it's either you're commercial if you're successful. Two, there's a lot of mismanagement. Community radio is poor, community radio is doing things the wrong way. Our challenges are dramatized, like in an ugly way. Um, Our challenges are inflated most of the time. And, And I did not expect from a facilitator to, to start with such positive comments to say, this is how I know community radio to be, and these are the contributions that we are getting from community radio. And I think if we are to be honest in this discussion, the impact community radio has been making in communities, most of those that are in rural neglected areas, it's, 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 it's huge, it's big. So community radio is doing its part, it's delivering on its mandate. There are challenges, though, and we cannot ignore these challenges. One of these challenges is financial sustainability. And when we try to confront this challenges, look, agencies are using community radio as a cash cow. You have people who have got relationships with government and other people. They go, they get money on behalf of community radio because this relationship is not regulated most of the time community radio is exploited so they get 100 percent only 20 percent travels through to the sector they remain with the 80 percent it's a big problem that i think needs to receive attention and and what the ncrf has been doing now is to begin to, to to have relationship and sign memorandum of agreements with with this Uh, stakeholders to say, let us see the 2% that we are talking about. We don't see it when we go to community radio level, but we're hearing that there's 2% that community radio is accounting for in terms of income generation, but we we are seeing much less of what is getting actually to community radio. So that's something that we need to deal with to ensure that community radio gets what it deserves. Then there's a big problem of BRC. BRC, there's a misrepresentation on the audiences, the numbers that we receive. An example is in Kimberley. The five radio stations that Guth was talking about, you have one radio station that has been licensed. The license is about to expire. It has never been on air. They still don't have a studio, but they have a listenership bigger than Radio Demani. So so these are the challenges that we are still grappling with, that we, we're saying we need to deal with these challenges going forward. We need to engage every stakeholder. We need to ensure that the position of community radio is well established.
0: Okay, so many points to pick up on there. I'd like to involve anyone who wants to throw in a comment or a point. Um, so if you have something you want to raise or add to the discussion, please Please indicate. Um, while you're thinking about that, though, I mean, Pusher, you say you know, you're, you're being accused of being commercial when you're not, but you'll admit that there are some community stations who use a community license, but in fact they're not. And I'm not talking about Jersey, and I'm not going to name names, right? But there are a couple of stations around this town... <laughs> you know, who operate on a community license, but in fact, you know, it's a a smoke stream. Isn't that something that's rather unfair, in fact, to you?
3: Well, I don't think that is possible in law. In law, a community radio station is owned and controlled by the community. So there's a board that gets to be elected that represents this community. In order for you to be commercial, you have to derive dividends from from the community radio, and and and, and that is not possible in law. So I, I'm sure if you know about a community radio that uh, is just using the license, but in fact they own shares, there are directors that own shares in this in this company. Then we need to talk about this. Then we need to to inform the the authorities so that we are able to deal with these things. But on the basis of income generation, we cannot say that because you are generating 40 million rand, then you are commercial. No, it's not what defines you. Your ability to generate income does not define whether you are community or non-profit. But you derive in dividends from this, your, your, way, your, your way of registration, because you are either registered as an NPC, NP, or a trust in order for you to be a community radio. You cannot be registered as a PTY limited. Once you are registered as a PTY, your registration will will tell us whether you are a a commercial or a community.
0: I mean, I think that there are are ways of making a profit even through an NPO, that's the problem. But let me pass this to to, to, um, Collins. I mean, basically what Garth was saying is you've issued too many licenses. It's your problem. You stop pointing fingers.
1: No, I I hear you, and uh, I think one of the things that you do as a policymaker or a regulator, you always deal with facts, and uh, you you differentiate it from uh, other things. Uh, there's with broadcasting. There's always been a clear division between government and regulation, and. Uh, one of the issues that we are going to deal with is how we deal with the issue that he has raised. What had happened is that ICASA every time when it was licensing, it used to do what is called beauty contest or you'll have to come and do demand, need and support where you sit in front of council and then they decide who gets the license. And there was a suggestion from the MDDA and NCRF to say that is taking time uh, and they are unable to get funding from MTDA, what has to happen is the authorization route. Unfortunately, the authorization route that says if ICASA does not come back to them within 30 days has created a situation where after 30 days people are, are deemed to be licensed. So hence the increase of the numbers and the duplication of the uh, stations that are there. And it's one of the issues that ICASA has raised in this discussion. What ICASA is doing, ICASA is reviewing the regulatory framework with everyone that is engaged with this. But I also wanted people not to go out of here, not also, as I said, what I enjoy most is facts. The matter that he's raising regarding the SABC is that Suntech engaged with the board of the SABC and they came out with a plan to pay in terms of the signal district, because of the challenges that they are, That's why SABC will not be offered because the board of the SABC met with the executive management of uh, CENTEC and they came to an arrangement and that will be paid as time goes by. So I think that's the difference. It's it's not an irresponsible exercise. But in terms of the issues that they have raised, I think that's the positive thing that we want moving forward to say when we go to the sector when we go to the summit i think we need to come up with those uh, solutions to say we all agree that moving forward if somebody does not agree with this what is happening but i don't think that icasa is punitive for government is so punitive that it was to destroy uh, to destroy the sector why withdraw really throw any licenses they've just shut just down four
2: stations for applying late they've just shut down four stations because you need to tell For a little infraction, like applying late. I'm glad you admit, though, ICASA and MDDA, they do fall under government. They report to the DOC. So you are, in fact, admitting it was government's fault. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just say yes or no. (laughs) Well,
0: there is a relative independence, I think, to these these bodies. No, they're not. They fall directly
2: under DOC.
0: Yes. But let's let's get be. Uh, the um, there's can an indicator be. at the back there. And there was a hand here. No? Yes, Jacob.
4: Hi, my name is Lerato. I'm the executive okay. producer of the Vitz Radio Academy. I just um, not necessarily piggy piggybacking on um the, the points that the gentlemen have made, but I just wanna also find out, because there are other players who, who play in the community radio sector, are we having a valuable conversation about, if you want to call it an inverted commas, donor funding, because different kind of sort of like public health, social justice programs want to approach radio and use radio as um, as a means to kind of do the education work and all of that kind of stuff. And, I mean, public... Um, public health or social justice I mean some people come from the environment where empirical evidence and like you, the usage of numbers is required so even if a project necessarily hasn't done that well if they're coming in searching in searching for those huge numbers um, and whether it's health whether it's other justice programs like if they don't get the numbers then the projects fail and that money that they've kind of allocated to, to stations to do the work is, is highly inaccessible are we having a a useful conversation. I know donor funding is a larger issue. We having a useful conversation in that environment about how to deal with those those players who are coming into that environment because besides the fact that community radio has got its own problems, those people enter the market and they're like so hungry for the numbers and if projects don't give them the numbers that they want, they fail and they completely pull out. So this is another thing I'm just interested to hear what people think about that.
0: Okay. Let's get the microphone right to the back there. I think it's Jacob. Does anybody want to respond um, to that?
3: Yeah, no, I, I think it's 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 an it's an important aspect. Look, um, fund funding. It's 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 important for for the sector. What we need to do is to identify the issues that are relevant within our communities as community radio, and and pay. Those issues with the funders that fund relevant uh, 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 topics so it's important that also those relationships must, must be regulated to understand self-regulated so that you know we are not being taken into doing things that are just taking us off from what we should be focusing on as community radio
0: okay thanks Jacob? so in
1: terms of from government side what happens is that they go via GCIS network uh, to cover the numbers. That GCIS has a network of community radio stations. Justice will come with a program for about 10 million or so, and that will be the money that will be shared with the stations that have submitted their, uh, their uh, invoices and everything, but to, to do that consolidation, I don't know from the side of the private sector. If, 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 if you are talking from the private sector, I think the best route would be to go through the associations of that is NAB or or uh, NCRF which NCRF has nine provincial chapters or the one of the religious stations but I think from government side it is organized via Jisha community network where the content will come up, will cover across the whole nine provinces to uh, to achieve that goal of reaching the required
2: numbers for the donors I'm so glad I'm so glad you- I'm so glad we brought up the GCIS. That's excellent. Uh, we met with them a couple of weeks ago. And GCIS themselves is so frustrated because they can't get money to the community radio sector because the law says they have to get three quotes and all kinds of things. They are struggling themselves to death to get money to the community sector. Now, because of this new compliance issues, the government have created so much red tape that you could be today, literally, today, you could be um, um, uh, compliant. Tomorrow morning, over your post, you say, oh, we're not compliant anymore. Why? Because like my station, the Secretary General of the province is a board member. And all of a sudden, it throws you out because you've got a government member of your board. They, they 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 found out of 207 stations, 207 stations, 23 were compliant, 23. Because government has insulated itself so much against giving money to the community stations, have made you jump through so many hoops that you literally can't touch their money.
0: I certainly think the point about overregulation is, is is a really good is a really useful one. Yes. Jacob. I, 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 think,
5: I think if we really want to um, address challenges um, that are facing the community radio sector in South Africa, we must be honest with ourselves. Um, and I think this honesty starts with acknowledging the problems that we have. There are serious governance and management problems in the community radio sector. I'm not talking about the handful stations like your Josie FM, your Riverside and others that are doing well in terms of governance and management. But there is a serious governance problem. The reason why the sector is failing to attract or to sustain itself through funding and also generating money, it's because in most cases it's one man show, it's bought that have not met for years, they've expired their terms and all those kind of things. Even if we can, be, if, if if we're honest with ourselves, we start looking at the NCRF at national level. I'm talking about the NCRF at national level, which, are supposed to, which is supposed to guide the stations with issues of governance and management. There is a problem there, so I think we need to start. I hope the summit that government is proposing is going to look deeply into the problem of the sector and try to address first and foremost governance and management problems and then we'll be in a position to take the sector forward. Thank you.
0: Um, We're almost out of time. Um, I'm just going to collect uh, collect one or two more um, hands. There's one there. Anyone else who has a burning need to talk? There's one more. I think that'll have to be it. And then, if you want to briefly respond, then, that, then we'll ra- wrap up there. Yes, please go ahead.
6: Thank you. My name is Tirol Maruping. <coughs> Pardon me. My name is Tirol Maruping. I'm coming from Madibo Community Radio Station, trading as FM. Kobo Konebu Pirima. I'm going to inquire from the Department of Communication and NCRF um, if the department is aware that. We are having a stressful relationship with sound fusion. Why am I pointing out sound fusion here or bringing the, the topic? Um, you, will, you will commit as a station to an advertiser that maybe your advert will, be, will start to flight tomorrow, and the systems are not working. You're running around calling sound fusion to fix the systems. You will take the whole month, end up losing business. Is the department aware of this? Also, is SoundFusion, uh, or the department continue to give SoundFusion contracts to build studios? If you are aware that we are having problems with SoundFusion. To NCRF, are are you aware that we are having that problem? And what have you done so far, if you are aware? Thank you.
0: Um, Thanks. There's one more point over there. Thanks, Tim. Um, I wanted to uh, follow up on the issue of the the research, the audience research, because it seems to me, um, you know, on what basis are we saying that the the BRC data is not correct? Do we have other data? Because uh, it clearly is a very, very crucial issue for the sustainability, the financial sustainability. But perhaps, given that community radio is more than just about making money, perhaps there should be some other... Measures in terms of social impact. Um, So, so really, I guess it's a two-pronged question. Number one, uh, what is the problem with the? the, the, I understood that BRC is the sort of uh, golden measure, Uh, but secondly, what else are we measuring uh, in terms of um, uh, impact? Thank you. Okay, Um, let's um, just go in turn. Then I'd, I'd be very interested to hear your response to Garth's point about regulation. Is there a chance? that the requirements for compliance could be made more simple? Uh, You see, the
1: issue with compliance is that everyone when they apply to ICASA, all the compliance matters are put forward. And when people apply, they say we are going to agree with those. And the issue with ICASA, ICASA when when even the matter goes to triple C, there are compliant matters and everyone is given an opportunity to, to, to state their case. What I'm saying is that I don't think that ICASA has been punitive. Irregular. It has been, in a way, it has been trying to understand the challenges that has been challenging the sector. But if there's one thing that ICASA is, is independent of, it's in terms of licensing and that of co- compliance matters. But I think when we go to the summit, probably something that we will need to clarify at the forefront is the. The, the value chain to say what is the responsibility of the minister which is policy making? What is the responsibility of MDDA which is funding for diversity? What is the po- uh, responsibility of ICASA? Is there for regulation? So in terms of the other issues that uh, Garth has raised, or uh, I don't think that the Q&A where I respond to him it will assist because we might not get anywhere. But I don't think that also as government we are saying that we are 100% perfect that everything is from our side, and that we have not uh, probably, uh, where we we say we need to look at and and, and come up with proposal is around how we improve the regulation. And one of the decisions I think that we took is that BRC will have to come at the conference and explain the matter, because it's not only affecting the community sector, it's also affecting the the commercial and the public, and, when we engage the marketers and whatever, those that are using the BRC uh, to, to buy and everything, it seems as if for them, they, they trust them. As Dimitri is asking, it's a very important clarification that we'll have to provide at the summit so that by the time, we, do, we are not going to rush over it. They have to go and tell them what the sample has been and what has changed and what it means for the community sector. And with the example that he has provided, whether it's true or not or how come, that The station does not exist and it has 500 listeners.
2: Thanks very much. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly pick up on that as well. Um, exactly what was said there. We can just give you some um, anecdotal evidence. Um, you, uh, my radio station had 139,000 listeners under SOP. It now has 1,000 listeners. Now, I know a pretty bad manager of hell, I'm not that bad, you know. <laughs> There's 138,000 listeners. You're really in a class of your own. Um, The station that is not even on air, which has 2,000 listeners, Um, so maybe we must just switch off. And then it's not only community radio, commercial radio, OFM. OFM, which is a very popular station in our area, zero listeners in Kimberley. Zero. So BRC is absolutely incompetent as far as Kimbudi is concerned, um, and unfortunately, this is what the people look at when they get figures. Uh, Lance once said, "It's, it's. We know it's. Well, he didn't use the word rubbish. Uh, we know it's rubbish, but it's the only rubbish we got." Um, unfortunately, that, that's not a good enough excuse.
0: Okay. Um, do you want to respond to the points about um, um, Sound Fusion and the NCRF and yeah. management, in fact? Yeah. As as a general.
3: Yeah. The question. I think Jacob. My input was was not to say that the community radio sector is so excellent that it does not have challenges. Community radio sector does have challenges. My worry was that usually all we talk about is challenges and that the Radio Days Africa was able to actually show us a different picture. But with regards to the question of boards, I think how boards are constituted is another problem within the sector and that is what we are looking at internally to say we need to find a way of constituting boards in a proper manner. So that we don't just go at an AGM, call an AGM, there's a thousand people in in a hall and the one that talks too much gets to be the chairperson or the treasurer. They don't even have financial background. So we need to have ways of ensuring that we get quality into our boards and that can only be done if we find a model of constituting our boards. In other stations you you find that the sectors, they choose their boards through sectors. So there's a financial sector represented within the board, there's the legal sector represented within the board and so on and so forth. So what does that do? It makes the quality of the board to be more impactful, so that you have a finance person in the board, you have a legal mind in the board, and so on and so forth. That's way, That's the way we, I think we need to think uh, in order for us to constitute proper boards and management and so on. I think the issue of service providers taking the sector for a ride, uh, is something that we need to deal with. We need every service provider that is operating within the sector, that's making profits within the sector, to sign agreements with us, to, to, to sign service-level agreements with us, that the level of service that they need to be delivering is this kind of service. Because what they do to us, they will never do to the commercial sectors. They will never do to, to the SABC. And we need to deal with that. BRC, where we need to be going to as community radio we need to be imposing a non-legislative levy, collecting a, a research levy, so that we are able to also contribute towards BRC, so that the research is more um, um, inclusive. Because you get to read this reports and there's a lot of stars, a lot of stars. Uh, around community radio, which says the data is inconclusive. The research was was not done with, due to resources or whatever reasons they provide. So we need to provide resources to BRC, that's where now we are taking this to, so that BRC is able to give community radio quality reports. We are not just blaming, it's not a blame game. We are trying to look for solutions. If we are going to take this sector forward, we need to be contributing positively to whatever concerns that we have.